Bible is all black text, so it doesn't stand out as much. But if you have a Bible that shows Jesus' words in red, if you look at Matthew chapter 10, start in verse 5, the entire rest of the chapter is just Jesus speaking. And in fact, if you go through the next two or three chapters, the majority of it is Jesus speaking. Uh, there's only a couple of comments to throw some context of what's going on or whatever in among that. So there's a lot of Jesus' words and what we're going to look at today. Um, well, chapter 10 is entirely an address to the apostles. We introduced the apostles in the opening verses here, and they're heading out. Jesus is actually sending them out on a missions trip, short-term mission trip. And all of this text here is preparation for that. I'm going to start in verse 5, and I read through to verse 16 this morning. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the host of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor strip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. For the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. When you come into a house, salute it. And if the host be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from that host or city, shake off the dust of your Verily, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for that, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment, than for that city shall stop there. Let's pray. Again, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather together, that we have the freedom to preach your word, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we look into this this morning, I just encouraged by it, continually grow closer to you as we look into your word and as we look at the life and the work of Jesus Christ in the house of God. I just want to pray for guidance this evening. So as I said, this section is giving instruction the 12 apostles, they're being prepared to go minister. Um, we see in other places where Jesus was sending them out, and he said, by, by twos, two by two. So they'd go in, in partners and go in, and do ministry. And they would preach, they would heal people, they would do all these things. And, and now, very specifically in this passage, he's telling them, 
I'm going to say it's not, but this is specific to this group at this time for this purpose. Um, there's changes take place in instructions to different people at different times, and there's different reasons for it. But that idea a little bit this morning of some of the differences, the changes that take place through Scripture. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, as we're starting to look at this, I'm going to spend a little more time on it this morning, is the gospel that they were preaching. Verse 7 says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The gospel that they were preaching, that they were sent to preach, is not the same gospel that we preach. And I spent a little bit of time, I looked up some information. What are the Jews today who have not yet accepted Christ as the Messiah? They're still anticipating the Messiah. So I looked a little bit like, what do they expect? What do they expect the Messiah to be like? And it's much like I said, is they're expecting a Messiah that's going to come and bring all the scattered tribes of Israel back together, back to the promised land. And he's going to establish them as the ruler, as the dominant society in the world. And that's what these guys, that's what the scribes and the Pharisees, the Jews of Jesus' day, were expecting the Messiah to establish himself as their king. And he was going to be their savior in the sense of, in the physical world, saving them out of this oppression and any of um, hostility towards them. They were going to be that's what they think still today is going to happen. And they're waiting for that day. If we look at I'm going to turn to Ezekiel. I don't know if you want to follow me. I'm going to poke around a bit this morning. But Ezekiel chapter 37.
David, shall be thy prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, for my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. That's what the Jews were expecting the Messiah to accomplish. That's what today's Jews still expect the Messiah to accomplish. He's going to establish them as the nation that everybody is going to look to. And they're going to establish peace on the earth. The Messiah is going to force peace on the earth. And if that sounds familiar, that's actually what we're still expecting the Messiah. But that'll be Jesus at his second coming. The problem is the Jews. It's not that there wasn't information that showed exactly what Jesus they were blind to it. They didn't understand what Jesus was coming to accomplish in shit. And Paul in the New Testament, Romans chapter 16, as he's finishing off this kind of this doxology as he's closing out the, the book, but in Romans 16, he, he addresses us just a little bit. Verses 25 and 26, he says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations. It's kind of a bit of a tongue twister of a verse, but if you break it down into the segments that it speaks of here, it says the preaching, it says, according to my gospel, this is Paul claiming that the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the payment for our sins is his gospel. That's his gospel. It's unique to him because that's not what the apostles were preaching back in Jesus' day. They were preaching the kingdom. That savior that we read about in Ezekiel is what they were preaching at that time. That's what they were expecting the Messiah to accomplish. And so here we have Paul with this his gospel, a different gospel message than what the apostles were preaching back then. And he said it's according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept since the world began. Up until that point, until after Jesus' resurrection, what the Messiah was actually coming to do, to come as a sacrificial lamb, was a mystery. People didn't understand, didn't see that part of the prophecy. It's an incredible thing. We look back and we see it all over the place. We see all the pictures 
times, uh, John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, the, the Pharisees come to him, I'm not going to read the, the whole verse, you can look at it if you want, um, but John chapter 2, and the Pharisees are there, the Jews are there, and they ask him, they know what he's claiming to be, they know Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, and so they ask him for a sign to prove, so they're skeptical, they don't claiming to be, and so they demand a sign. And his answer, in verse 19, says, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again. <clears throat> He's talking about his body. <laughs> he is the temple of God. And when they destroy it,
becomes more and more clear in his preaching, or his teaching to the apostles. Matthew 16, verse 21, says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Can't get any more clear than that, can you? But verse 22 says, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. This is their response to Jesus saying what was going to happen to him, what God's plan for him was. And not only did they not understand it, but Peter rebukes Jesus for saying such a horrible thing. How dare you say that you're going to die? You're going to be king. We're going to raise you up as the king. You're going to take over. You're going to conquer this world around us, is what they really expected. They couldn't fathom what Jesus is saying, that I'm going to be taken and killed. And then I'll raise myself up from the dead after this. He said it clearly, but they didn't get it. They didn't understand that gospel message. And so when I say that apostles didn't preach the same gospel that we preach. How could they have if right through Jesus' ministry, they never did understand what the gospel as we know it really was? Again, in Matthew 20, Jesus does the same thing over again. 20 verse 17 and Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. On the third day he shall rise again.
interesting to think about this. It's possible, and probably most likely, that Jesus never actually expected them to understand what he was saying at that time. Turn to John chapter 13. See, it's not directly applicable to what we're saying, but I think the principle is there. verses in John 13. Verse 7, this is when Jesus is washing the apostles' feet. Verse 6 says, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, is thou washing my feet? in, but later on in the same chapter, verse 23, this is, no, sorry, verse 19, this is, now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe tell you before it comes, that when it comes to pass, you may believe that I am he. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you now what's happening. And even though you haven't got a clue what I'm saying right now, once it happens, then you're going to get it. You're going to understand later. You can look back at what I've said to you now, and then you'll understand and you'll believe. You'll be able to believe that I'm he, is what he said. You'll be able to believe that I was the Messiah, because imagine when you're expecting the Messiah, who you believe that Jesus is, to become the king, a ruler who's going to free and liberate Israel and conquer the nations around and to establish peace, and then he gets killed. That's, that's what the king wanted. Right? Isn't that what you would likely do? Is, hmm, guess we were wrong. Well, Jesus had to give them enough information 
understanding of Scripture, but of God's understanding of it. It's interesting, in John chapter 2 that we looked at earlier, verse 22 of that chapter follows what Jesus said about the temple, destroy the temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews, of course they don't understand, verse 20 says, then said the Jews, forty and six years was its temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But it gives us the answer. This is for the readers, people at the time didn't understand this. It says, but he spake of the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had said. Isn't that incredible? They believed the scripture and the word that Jesus said. It was after he was crucified, after he was resurrected. They looked back, they remembered this instance when they were standing beside the temple and he's being questioned by the Jewish leaders. And he answers, with the, destroy the temple and I will raise it again in three days. And now, after it happened, they didn't have a clue at the time what in the world he was talking about. Just like the, the other Jews, they thought he was talking about this building, this pile of rocks that's standing in front of them. He had nothing, that had nothing to do with it. It was his body. He was the temple. But it was after the fact that we started to understand. In Luke 24,
back at some of these things, when we look back in the Old Testament, we see there's prophecies in Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, it talks about Messiah will be cut off, and we see Jesus. We see Isaiah 53, and we turn to this almost every Easter, as this graphic description, this perfect description of what Jesus is going to go through. Suffering and being physically beaten and tormented and tortured and all that he was going to go through on the cross is pictured in Isaiah 53. There's no reason why the people couldn't have understood what the gospel was and yet they didn't. They could have understood, they could have known what the Messiah was going to come and do. Until after it happened, even after it happened, Jesus had to come and very specifically break this down and explain it to them one more time. You see in Luke 24, a little closer to the end of the chapter, verse 44, it says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and in the Prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and arise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning Are witnesses of these things. He opened their understanding that they might understand. Because in their own physical, fleshly body, they just were not getting it. They didn't understand the gospel, what Jesus had actually done. And so he had to explain it again. And he had to not just explain it again, he had to open their understanding. He had to miraculously change their mind, their entire thinking process, so that they could understand this thing. That's what we need as well. <laughs> we need to change our understanding of the world, of the gospel, of what Jesus came to do. I wonder if the disciples ever felt foolish after Especially when later on they're teaching and they're going back to the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures that so clearly show what Jesus is going to go through. I wonder if they ever, man, was I ever dull? <laughs> why, why was I so dull <laughs> that I couldn't get that? You ever think, you know, as we look, we're studying our Bibles, we're looking at what's we're trying to figure it out. And we look around us today and think, this has got to be the end days. Because these things are being fulfilled. Do you ever wonder, are we like the disciples here? Are we blindly thinking it's going to be just like this? But we're completely wrong in whatever area. <laughs> it's possible. And it's 
it's not that we're all wrong. There's some things that are very clear. And the Bible says the Jews weren't all wrong in what Jesus was going to do. They just, the timing was off. They didn't understand the sequence of events. I wonder how foolish we'll feel someday when all this is taking place behind us. And we're sitting in glory, looking back.